0: Genesis chapter three. I'll be honest. The or, uh, my niece, who her her husband is in the military, uh, state they're stationed in Germany, and uh, he he feels and has said he felt the call of God to preach, and uh, he's on his last enlistment. So I don't know what the future will hold for them as far as. I know his dad had been a missionary in Germany. They're currently in a church in, you know, in Germany that uh I think uh is there that um reaches out and services servicemen if you want to put it that way. but um, she in her devotion uh uh was reading there in mark chapter four or six, one of the storms there I think the probably the first storm there, anyway, she was sharing what the Lord had showed her in that devotional time as I was reading her her comment and uh then one of the things that um, st- stood out to me and then my thoughts uh, were directed in this direction, was in that, and I've I've preached a message, I even probably have preached it uh, probably over at the other building uh, there out of Mark 4 and 6, uh, the words of Christ in each of those storms, Peace be still, and it is I, be not afraid, was his words, and you know she she mentioned his words, her thoughts and her what she got out of that passage and what she was sharing was somewhere else. Um, but uh, but as I was reading her comments, I was reminded of the words and you know how that the disciples uh, you know one sometimes he calms the storm, sometimes he calls us. I know people's put that in the song, and one time he stilled the storm there in Mark chapter four. And then other times he just he didn't steal the storm, but he stu- he stealed the hearts of the disciples in Matthew, in Mark chapter six. And um, uh, so the first one he says, you know, peace be still. He, he he calmed the storm. The second one, it is I, or be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. He stealed the disciples' hearts. But the thought there is, it's the word. God's word and you know and I was directed and as I begin to to think and pray in Romans chapter 10 17 I know we went through Romans recently so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and and so as I mused and prayed and read um, the the thought my if I want to put a title I'll always put a title to it but the thought come to me is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? So many times, we even when the, te- the Sunday school teacher's teaching or, you know, with Chris giving a devotional or I'm preaching, you are, people are just hiss- listening to the person. Or even Sister Debbie in the Sunday school back there, they're listening to the person and are not allowing God's word to be heard. And and so many times, we hear the person and we hear what they're saying, but we're not listening. The Bible all the way through the Word of God. especially in, in Revelation and other places. He that hath an ear, the Bible encourages. The Word of God encourages. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says in the churches there in Revelation. But you're listening to the Spirit, not the man. And so, so we're going to look at some, some things here in Genesis chapter 3. You know the, 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 the passage here. Now the serpent was more subtle, verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, which he didn't say that, lest ye die. And the servant said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that the, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the, tr- of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to hear you today. Amen. And what you have for us from thy word... I ask and pray that um, if someone here that don't know you or has struggled and listened listened to the flesh and the devil and and man and not listened to you, I pray that they will listen to you today and be moved by your bidding. I pray that the saint of God will be careful on how we present the word of God and how we present Christianity and the gospel to others that we might not be a stumbling block before others. And we ask and pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen and amen. So here, you know, the original sin is what it's known for. Uh, when uh, s- Satan, as a serpent, became, um, came to the woman and beguiled her, uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, uh, talks about him being the accuser. It calls, calls old Satan the accuser of the brethren. And I heard A loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. So he's an accuser. And and oh, Satan, we'll see here, not only did he deal with Eve here in the garden and she listened to him. But then he actually goes and for God himself in, in Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, we're going to turn there and next here in a minute. So here he, he questions God. He questions what God said. Now God had told Adam not to eat of the tree of, uh, of, of good and evil. There in verse number 17 of, the, of chapter number 2. Uh, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It just says, don't eat it. So it didn't say don't to look at it. That was that was Eve putting that in there. And like like I know man, and I know couples <laughs> and how we deal. Uh, Adam actually might have told Eve that God said, don't eat it, and Adam probably went to. Uh, to Eve and says, don't eat it, don't even look at it. You know, one of those deals. Uh, and just because of the way we we do things sometimes like that, we, we take it a step further. But God said, don't eat it. Obviously, it was in the midst. You would see it in your passing day by day. Just don't eat it. But then that, that, that little bit of doubt, that little question that the devil put into Eve's Eve's ear was, yea, hath God said, question mark. Amen. And oft times, you know, I think, like, well, let's just turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. And this is right after Christ's baptism at the hand of John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3, he, verse number 15, because John said, John forbade him. Jesus said, I want to be baptized. John said, no way. John said, no. And, you know, I forbid. I have need to be baptized thee. And thou comest to me. John's talking that inner. And then, of course, Jesus said in verse number 15, Jesus answering, I said unto him, Suffer it to to be so now, for for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Of course, he got up from being baptized, and in the next chapter, the very next chapter, he was led by the Spirit. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit unto the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Again, a question, if thou be the Son of God. And and just just sowing doubt. Sowing doubt too. Uh, but then we see how Christ answers this, and this is a whole other type of message, but we see that He Christ uses the word to counteract the devil. But Jesus but he said uh, but he answered and said it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself for it is written, cast thyself down for it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time. Thou dashed thy foot against a stone. So the devil's using the Bible then. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto them, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. You see, the devil uses things we read there in First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And see, he said all the glory, he, he offered him the world. He said, all the kingdoms of the world and the glory in them. He offered that to Jesus. But 1 John 2 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here's what I wanted to get to. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And that is the the, the three things that that he was tempted of. If you will look close into the three categories of what Satan offered Christ and tempted Christ with, it fell into the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. It kind of falls in that same category. And we read in Hebrews chapter 4, Verse number 15, for we have not in high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, He's talking about the Son. Let's go back up to 14. Jesus, I'm sorry, seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So it says who it is. Yeah. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not in high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was, and I have it underlined here, in all points. Tempted like as we are, yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus Christ was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He he faced the I mean he was tempted with the lust of the flesh. He was tempted with the lust of the eyes. He was tempted with the pride of life. But he overcame. How did he overcome? He overcome by the word of God. He used the word on him, <laughs> and Satan will come to you. I mean Satan came to Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ didn't fall into the temptation Satan came to to uh, to Eve, but Eve fell, and oftentimes we we listen to Satan like Eve, and we failed to. To look for that way of escape when we are tempted. Like he says, and he will with the temptation provide a way of escape. We fail to look for that. We can look to Jesus for our example there, but so many times we're listening to the Satan. He'll whisper in our ear, you know, and, and what's really sad is, and I know uh Brother Glenn and others, you know, talked directly. Sometimes and ask the question about folks of salvation, ask about your salvation. Well, so many times, they, they, the Satan, you know, let's just say, for example, Brother Glean comes up and asks you about your salvation. Are you saved? Or he tries to encourage you to get saved. Or any of the rest of us, for that matter. Encourage you to, to come to the church, encourage you to, to give your life to Christ. And, and then Satan will jump up on the shoulder and whisper in your ear, you know, the only reason that they want you down there is this. Or they don't really care about you or this. I mean, and he will tell you stuff like that. And so many times we fail to come to Christ because we listen to Satan whispering in our ear about the brethren about the brethren's motives. Look, we want you to come to Christ, and we want you to have what we have because we've read the end of the book. Amen. I've preached the end of the book. You've heard the end of the book. I, the crowd, I know you've been here when I preached it. It was even mentioned this morning about the eternal death in the lake of fire, the second death Amen. in the lake of fire. It's real. Just like heaven is real, like he mentioned this morning, You know, if it were not so, I would have told you. Like he says in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. But so many times we listen to Satan. He's the old accuser of the brethren. We'll just let things like that, you know, get to us. And we'll say, oh, you know... The the teaching in Sunday school teaches a certain way. The preaching in in the preaching preaches a certain way. We're preaching the same book. Maybe you read it on your own and it all lines up. But Satan jumps up on your shoulder and whispers in your ear. Hath God said Did God really say that He would throw people in a lake of fire? Is that is that is that Bible really true? Surely there's something I can work and do. No. For by grace, it was mentioned this morning, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. People and Brother Chris is talking about those that that bunch of folks that falsely says that you can lose your salvation. You know, Brother Hall always uh, would say, "Well, you know, what sin causes you to lose it? Specific sin. How how many times do you have to sin? How much sin do you have to sin before you lose it?" And they can't never answer those questions because you can't lose it. It's a gift. He, he paid, as Brother Glenn was going through that in summer. I, this morning, all the, a whole bunch of songs come to my head. Uh, one, he mentioned one that he sings, that I could still go three, and then Christ paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. <laughs> that's another song, and I, and I thought about that as I was listening to that, and that's exactly right, and it's, 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 it's in the Scriptures. It's been presented to you, yet you listen to Satan. Yea, hath God said And that keeps you from coming to Christ because he sows doubt. Just like he did in Eve. He tried to sow doubt. He tried to get Christ to look to him, worship him even. Look to the, you know, all I can give you. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. There's another thing that will keep you from coming to Christ is the world and just the things of the world. I'm going without hearing, but i'm just going to go while we're there, love not the world, you new the thing so many times that's that'll keep you from coming if I come to christ then and here's that's what one of those satans will say he'll he'll say you'll have to give up this yeah. there was a, a an account a, a situation that i'm familiar with. I was in that meeting. In southern Indiana, I was in a meeting. I had to leave before this. Actually, no, I take that back. I was not in that meeting. I've been in that church, though, several times. But Brother Hall was preaching a meeting in the church that he was called to preach out of. And a church from over in Louisville come and was um, being a part of the meeting, listening, you know, just like we would fellowship with one of the other churches in the Revival, they come over, and God just fell on sinners that night. Altars were filled, and there was one woman up here in the altar. And, you know, just there for a long time struggling. And then, you know, it got to the place where people went and dealt with her and talked with her and prayed with her. And it, bottom line, it came down to This is that and she got up lost went out the door lost that day is she knew if she got saved that day she was in a she was in a, a relationship she was living with a man that was not her husband and i don't know if it was dealt with in the preaching but she knew in her heart that if she got saved she'd have to do something about that relationship either get married <laughs> Or get out of that relationship till he come to Christ. But she was not willing to let go of that sin in her life. And that's what kept her from coming to Christ. That's what kept her from getting saved that night. She says, no, I love that sin more than I love salvation. If you want to put it that way. And she left lost. To my knowledge, I don't know if she ever got saved. But so many times the devil get up and, and sometimes it's true. I mean, sometimes, you know, you will, it, you don't, like Brother Glenn has pointed out, you know, I can go out to the liquor store today and buy me a bottle. It's just that I have a different desire now that I am saved. I can go and do this sin and can go and go do that, but I have a different desire. I have a desire to please my Savior Amen. and to follow his precepts, but we in the flesh can it's just not not that he's you know bound us and made us robots or anything like that. We still have a free will but he he just gives us a desire because now he dwells within us. As a child of God, now he, he there's a love, there's a, a peace, there's, a, and then we have such, we have so much in Him that we we desire not to displease Him. But the devil will say, "You have to give up something. If you do that, you have to do this." Or, and sometimes it's just a plain lie. You know, you 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 don't you have to do this. You have to you have to line up with Brother Bell and his. No, you have to line up with Brother Glenn and he No, you don't. Look. There's times that I've heard Brother Glenn in his teaching kind of mention going back to his past before salvation. And he'll say, I was a sinner. And he goes, I'm not going to go into detail or something along those lines. And about everybody in here could say the same thing. I, When God saved before God saved me, I was deep in sin. And the reason we're not going to go into detail because it would glorify sin and we don't want to glorify sin. We want to glorify the Savior. But, I mean, we could probably, I mean, put together... You know, among this little crowd right here today, a pretty good book of sins that we've all been involved in in our past. But God has washed us. Like He's saying in the Sunday school, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, He's washed us of our sins. Old things uh, are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are cleansed from our sins. We are forgiven of our sins. And that's what we want for you, the, the ones that are still in their sins. But the devil will say, you know, they look down on you. The devil will tell you all kinds of things. They look down on you. The devil will say, they, they, you know, you have to give up so many things. The devil say, they don't love you. And the devil say, you, ha- you can't live it. And the devil will say all kinds of things. Don't listen to the devil. It's not really going. Anyway. He was in all points tempted like a ZR as we are yet without sin. He is our great high priest. And that's talking to the, to the believers that we can go to him. Because of that, we can go boldly before the throne of grace. When we're tempted... We know that he's been tempted. We know that he's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's faced hunger. He faced pain. He's faced death. He conquered death, but he faced death. To the point where he knew that he was getting ready to die, and he asked the Father in prayer, Father, if this cup can pass from me. Nevertheless, Thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. But he begged God not to have to go to the cross. So he faced death. Uh, And and I know I've used this before, but, I mean, it's one of those, and it's it's tax time, you know. I worked on some of mine yesterday. Whew. He even had to pay taxes. So he understands that. You know, you're going through and you got... Oh, I'm missing this piece of paper. i got to go find that piece of paper. Where's is, where is those receipts at? <laughs> and the frustration that comes along with all that. Peter said, Jesus, we need to pay our taxes. Jesus said, you're right. Peter, go fishing. <laughs> okay, yeah, whoopee. <laughs> he goes, cast a hook, and the first fish. That comes out, that you, that you catch, look in its mouth. You say, This is so far fetched, but it happened. Look in that fish's mouth and you'll find a coin, and with that coin, go pay mine and your taxes. Amen. But Jesus Christ had to pay taxes. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Is your taxes infir- in, an infirmity? Everybody say, Amen, right there. <laughs> he knows what it means to pay taxes, He knows what it means to die. He doesn't know what it means to sin, but he knows what it means to be hungered, to be tired, to face death. He's touched. He's been there, and we can go to him because of that. He wiped away our sins. But the accuser of the brethren say, "Yea, hath God said?" We get up and we proclaim the gospel. "Yea, hath God said?" What you need to do. "Yea, hath God said?" We're just giving you God's word for it. Uh, he said it this morning in John chapter seventeen, and I'll just go ahead and read it to you. And uh, Brother uh, Johnny jo- uh, James Jones, not Johnny Jones, James Jones, and then uh, Brother Cooley's pastor, and then Brother Cooley took over that particular broadcast from from his pastor, uh, the the Word of Truth broadcast. And they always start off the broadcast with John chapter. 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so Jesus is talking to the Father here in John chapter 17, saying that this word is true. And God said, and this word says, let God be true and every man a liar. So as we present the truth of God's word to you, Satan, just like he did with Eve, will say, Yea, hath God said, he'll put doubt in your heart. Amen. But just believe the truth. And quit listening to the devil. Who are you listening to today? And I don't want you, I mean, I want you to listen to me. And I want you to listen to Brother Glenn. I want you to listen to the, you know, the Sunday school teachers, Brother Tim and Miss Debbie and night. Listen to them, but don't, I mean, listen to them not to hear them. Listen to them and me as we present the truth. That the Spirit will give you the truth. Listen to the Spirit. Turn with me, if First Kings. You're in the Old Testament. First Samuel, First Kings, First Kings, Chapter Number Nineteen. In this passage of scripture, Elijah has just (laughs) killed a bunch of prophets of Baal there on Mount Carmel, chapter 18, And and so Jezebel, Jezebel's daddy was a priest of Baal, I think it is, Jezebel's name. So she served Baal, a false god, an idol. Ahab went and told Jezebel, verse number one, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and withal how that he had slain all the prophets with a sword. That's yeah, a preacher, <laughs> a preacher with a sword, buddy. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods, little gods, do to me and more also if I'm if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this same time. And when he saw this, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And then he went a day's journey into the wilderness, and then he goes 40 days beyond without food or water. And he he goes to Mount Horeb, I believe it is. Yeah, Mount Horeb. And he arose and did eat, and the strength uh, did eat and drink. Verse number eight, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So he went to the mount of God, Horeb. He went forty days and forty nights without eating. And I just recently was um, I, I know a uh, person that actually you know the person actually uh, that went that purposely fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I haven't spoken to him in detail about that to see, but he did. He had some things he needed to work out, and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And that's what he had. And he got some answers. So he can be done. But Elijah... Went on one meal's strength for forty days and forty nights until he got to Mount Horeb. Now, mind you, Jezebel says, "I'm going to kill you. I'm going to make you like you. I'm going to kill you like you just killed those prophets of Baal." And so the so Elijah got scared and he took off. He thought he was the only one because he sees he says it twice here in this passage. He thought he was the only one of God's men that never had bowed a a knee to to Baal. Verse number 9, And he came thither into a cave and lodged there, a cave in the Mount of Horeb. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto Elijah, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only have, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Woo! <laughs> the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind... Rent the mountains. I hope the winds that coming our way this afternoon doesn't rent any mountains anyway or anything else for that matter. But the wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. The wind did that. But the Lord was not in the wind. There you go. And after the wind an earthquake... But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it what? The still small voice that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? The second time that that question came, and he said, I have been very jealous before the Lord of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away." And the Lord said unto him, Go, return um, on thy way to the, uh, to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint uh, Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshad, uh, thou shalt anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Mila, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have, here it is, I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. So Elijah was having a little pity party. Somebody was out to kill him. <laughs> We might be concerned about that ourselves. Anyway, but he thought that he was the only one standing for God. But 7,000 had never bowed the knee to Baal or kissed him, that idol. And it's interesting to me, Elijah wanted to die. Just go ahead and kill me, Lord. Just go ahead and kill me. He says that up in a passage, part of the passage that we didn't read but he says, I should just, just go ahead and kill me. And it's interesting that God did give him the commandments to go anoint these two to be kings and to anoint Elisha to take his, his stead. But, and Elisha didn't die. Elisha, Elijah didn't die. Elijah was carried in a, in a whirlwind to heaven, but it was 10 years approximately when, from when Elijah anointed Elisha to when, when Elijah was taken up. So God still wasn't done with him. But I wanted to say all this. Look, so many times the noise, and I, I just there were so many other passages of scripture, the devil will get in your ear and start whispering. And sometimes it's just the noise around you. Another where I thought was, uh, I heard it preached, I heard it something I referred or referenced this week to. She touched the hem of his garment. She said within her heart, "If I could but touch the hem of his garment." And of course, when and when he said, "Who touched me?" the disciples and I talk about the touch and not hearing. But the disciples says, "Jesus, what are you?" I'm paraphrasing. What are you talking about, Lord? Look at this throng about you, and you're asking who touched you? But see, this this woman who had been who had been ill for twelve years. And had an issue of blood for 12 long years, had heard, heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing. Faith cometh, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And she had faith in her heart just to touch his garment because she had heard of his miracles. We just think about the throng that was about him, the noise. I thought about I thought about all that, but I thought about this passage of scripture because it wasn't the the wind. When that wind, that line of you know, you see the predictor what it's going to look like when it comes into our state this evening. It's going to start, you know, it starts kind of green and then yellow and then it turns red and maybe some purples in there. But you got a line of red. that's going to go across our state, and we're going to hear the wind tonight. And it will be frightening to some, concerning to others. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you, you hear the wind and you hear the storm and you, 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 you kinda, you're you in your shelter and you're protected and you're fine. But, you know, to, to some of us we're thinking like, you know, after this wind has passed by and after the storm has passed by, we step out to see the damage, to assess what it might have done in our yard, to look at the limbs and the trees. You know, to see what it might have damaged around our house. Lisa's already put up some things that would blow away. (laughs) Uh, You know, I said, where'd you go? I heard the door open, you know. We have the alarm system, and I heard and it says when the doors are open. I said, where'd you go a minute ago? She said, I went and put that basket and stuff up that was out there that would blow away tonight. I said, oh, that's understandable. But it wasn't the noise. We're going to hear that noise. It wasn't the noise that God was in. It wasn't the earthquake and the noise that God was in. It wasn't the fire. And fire can be noisy. But it was a still, small voice. And oftentimes, we'll get in a service in here and we just still let the noise of the... I mean, the devil's noise in our ear or just, you know, we'll let some distraction... You know, and, it, and we, we talked about that so-called revival that was happening. I'm just telling you, it didn't line up with this book, so God was not in it. I'm just letting you know that. Yeah. I, know, I know a man that went over because it was, you know, three or four hours away from, the, from his church to see what was going on, and apparently he thought that there was, that God was in it, but it didn't line up. God's not in the noise. I've been in some services, you know, high services, you want to put it that way. But sometimes it's, it's emotion. And I ain't saying that God's not emotional. Jesus wept. That's an emotion. God gets angry. <laughs> That's an emotion. And there's been times people come up on the altar, come up off the altar in salvation, shouting. Some of them crying. I mean, emotion, God. But I'm just saying, so many times there'll be a sinner back there, and there'll be something going on—the earthquake, the wind, and the fire—and they allow that to distract them. Could be noise from family. Could be noise from taking care of a family member. It could be noise from a lot of different things. It just and I say noise, uh, 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 just the noise that's in your head. I, you know, be at work, and I, in fact, it happened yesterday, actually. Just out of nowhere. I don't listen to secular. I I listen to talk radio, of course. On there, there's some some of that old noise. So I don't go and tune into the oldies being the 80s now. <laughs> that's funny. The 80s music. I don't go purposely and tune into that station that I know that's here that plays my high school songs because that's distracting to me. That's disheartening me. But some of those are still pop up into my head out of nowhere. Noise. And the devil will distract you with that noise. We'll, 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 we'll go home and we, we can sit there. And some of you understand this. We'll be praying. We'll go. There is no... We'll turn our phone off or turn it down. We get up early. or We get up or go late. There's no television. There's no radio. There's no youngins. They're all asleep. And we try to pull away for our quiet time with the Lord. But yet there's noise up in our head. All the care, all the, all the conversations that's happened during the day or the ones that's happened yesterday or just a lot of this, this stuff that's just there and, and we're reminded of it and this will come to thought this will come to our mind and this will come to, And verse is just trying to push all that away and getting in tune with God to hear his still small voice. And oftentimes in here, the still small voices come to you. It's not the, not that I thunder, it's not the thundering of the preaching. You know, it's not the, the, it's not the song that was sung in invitation. We'll be distracted by the song or we'll be distracted by a baby maybe crying near an invitation. But, but the still small voice is there. And it's speaking to you. There's who you need to listen to. When when he's he's there and he says amen to the preaching, amen to the teaching, you need to come. You are a sinner. You need to believe. You need to put your trust in me. You need to be washed in my blood. And the the still small voice, I mean, to the point where... uh, Elijah, when he heard the still small voice, he wrapped his head in his mantle. That affected him. You need to be affected by that still small voice. Listen to the what to the one that's the spirit that'll bear witness with your spirit that this word is right, that the preacher's right. Not that I'm right in my flesh, but I'm right because I'm preaching the word. When I get away from the word, that's when error happens. But as long as I'm in the book and can rightly divide, and I pray for wisdom to rightly divide the word of truth. Comparing scripture with scripture. And that's what I love about this church and in its teaching and in its preaching is the fact that that's our focus is to rightly divide the word of truth to give good doctrine which is teachings that's what doctrine is it's just teaching my 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 grandmother bless her heart she knows better now she's in heaven but she come from this bunch of churches the church i was saved was in one they just had this mindset and and they didn't know. I don't know if they didn't know any better, but she, you know, I announced my call to preach. She said, "Now don't don't preach doctrine." She said, "Now she's told me that." She said, "Doctrine divides." Well, it's supposed to. Amen. But but she's coming from the. I know where she was coming from. She's coming from the um, the mindset of of somebody not rightly dividing the word of truth and getting up and teaching. I, I, I know my, I know <laughs> a relative of mine has pastored a church, one of those type of churches, that half the church believed in the premillennial and half the church is ah or post. And he got up and preached doctrine. He preached premillennialism, but that church is one that would send the pastor packing. You know, every about every two years, when you started learning their sin, and there's a whole lot of churches like that, by the way. And uh, and so, and they was just not going to put up with it. They was uh, they they almost got in a fist fight out in the parking lot after church that night, and one of the deacons cussed, literally cussed out the preacher. For for preaching that, it was one of those deals where you know all these so half half believed one way, half believed the other way. So every preacher was just not supposed to go there. Just don't just avoid that doctrine. Well, that's not right. Teach it. If God put you on, you teach. Rightly divide the word of truth. And I know there's still some question marks in men's eyes, but look into it. Listen to the still small voice. Let's see here. Let's go finally to John chapter 8. This might get us a little bit. It got me a little bit. I had to do some examination. I know we'll see it again here in a few weeks. But John chapter 8, verse number 1, Jesus went up into the Mount of Olives And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they, said, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act." All right. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said and said unto them, he that was without sin among you, cast the first stone. Uh, among you, let him first cast the stone at her. And he, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, <laughs> went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Here's a woman, or like a, well, yeah, here's a woman, it said, taken in adultery, in the very act. Now, did she have a chance to grab the sheet off the bed on her way out? Or was she standing there naked before Jesus? She was standing, probably in her shame, obviously in her shame, and obviously in her sin. She was taken in the very act. When Jesus had lifted him up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Verse number 10, He said unto her, Verse number 11, and Jesus said unto her. Who are you listening to? Here's one of the things that kind of got me in this passage of Scripture real quick is the fact that and I had other people in mind when I was thinking along these lines. And, and I had to examine myself. How many times have we... Well, rewind. How many times... How many times, child of God, we, how many times have we as a child of God said, oh, no use to, no use to worrying about them. They're worthless. They're hopeless. <laughs> Wait a minute. And I had to say, oh me, guilty. We look down upon people in their... Station of life you say, oh, don't bother with them don't don't even give them a gospel track. <laughs> don't invite them to church. We don't want that kind in our church. Help us now, think about it. Amen. Have we ever been guilty of that? Are we like these Pharisees that said and, or like that other Pharisee that the woman it was washing the, the feet of Jesus with her tears and, her ha- and wiping them with her hair. And the Pharisee said within his heart, "If Jesus knew what type of woman this was, He wouldn't let her touch him. Are we that way? When they come in the back door, and they're not carrying the right kind of Bible. I mean, I know that we are pretty accepting, but I'm just saying we're accepting in the motions, but what are we saying in our heart? The grommets. We've we've had one, okay, recently. The grommets, the shorts, the tattoos, the the fill-in-the-blank. The law says... The law says, the law says, are we just, are we like the Pharisee and, and become an accuser of the brethren like Satan? Are we on Satan's side when we say, look at them, we don't want that kind. They'll never, they'll never, they're, they don't, they lack understanding. They'll never come to Christ. Help us now. I had to do some examination. I was reminded of a, of course, all through school, I'm a, still a heavyweight. But, you know, in school, I was a heavyweight a long time. So, you know, whenever we'd be pick teams for Red Rover or pick teams for softball or pick teams for whatever, you know, it's always one of those deals where I'm one of the last picks. We don't want him because he's too fat. Too slow. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So I, I knew what it was like to be made fun of. I knew what it was like to be the last to be picked for anything athletic. <laughs> so, oh, there we go. There's a bench there. There's a, a woman, a girl that was in high school with me. She, she was a little bit older than I was, and she had a crush on me the reason she had a crush on me is because you know she was in the special classes and her family situation was less than mine we rode the school bus together and you know she had those 80s glasses that was about that big around and she wore them down here on her nose red hair unkempt most of the time But when everybody else was on the school bus making fun of her, I wasn't. I was taught better, for one. And then, secondly, I knew what it was like and what it felt like to be made fun of. And since I didn't make fun of her, naturally, she got the crush on me. You know, Jesus... And I thought to myself, in that, in that kind of putting myself in the in the in the Pharisees, uh, she, um, you know, she married, she had children, da, da 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 da. So there was somebody out there for her later on in life. But we could be like the Pharisees and just, just you know, what about this person, and kind of look down upon that person. The law says this. The law says that. And we fall into that accuser of the breath. We fall into that, that looking down upon somebody because of their station or whatever. Or we could see them through Jesus' eyes. Realizing that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we could be there. And in fact, some of us were in that same station when the grace of God walked by our way. He said unto her, Woman, where are those unaccusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She looked around and said, No man, Lord. You know, oftentimes we fail to remember, and there's that still small voice for those that never have experienced Christ, but we as saints fail to remember when we look at somebody in their condition, that we'll say they're worthless, and maybe you have been told that you're worthless before. Oh, you're worthless. You'll never count anything. How many of us have said that about people? Guilty. But how many of that have been said that about that us? They're 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 worth. They'll they'll never count anything. They'll never do anything in life. I want to remind the saints that they are worth enough for God to send his son. And they're worth enough for his son to shed his blood. And as a child of God, help us to not necessarily see them you know, we, we give up Hope on so many people, and we have said in our hearts, "I know I'm getting guilty that they'll never make anything in life," and and maybe we've tried to help them, and 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 we get frustrated to the point where we almost just want to give up, and in essence, say, "Let them go on to hell." But this woman here was taken in the very act. Brought to the Lord. Potentially standing there with no clothes on. And he asked where the accusers were. She said, He said, Neither do I condemn thee. God. Loved her enough to send his son, and his son loved her enough to lay down his life for her. And when we get frustrated with our relatives, and we get frustrated with our work co-workers, and we get frustrated with people in your life that maybe you have reached out to about church, you've reached out to with the gospel you've reached out to about their soul's condition and they seem to reject it. Or maybe, you know, we just see somebody. We don't know from Adam's house cat and the Holy Spirit within us says, go give that person that gospel tract. Go give that person a witness. Invite that person to church. And we look at them and we say, "Mm, we don't really want that kind down in our church. God loved them enough to send his son. His son loved them enough to give his blood If it wasn't for the grace of God, that's where we'd be. Uh, I st- <laughs> that's, where I, that's my message to me this morning. But on the flip side, Eve listened to the devil and sinned. This woman was taken in her sin. And Jesus saith unto her, He said unto her, "Neither do I condemn thee." That still small voice in the invitation time here in a minute. There is there now. There is therefore now no condemnation to who. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in. Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Are you in Christ Jesus? Is Christ Jesus in you? Is His Spirit in you? That comes by, by grace through faith. He's been gracious enough to pass by your way with that convicting of the Spirit, which is that still small voice that says, You know He's right. You know you need to be saved. You are condemned in your sin. She didn't disagree. How could she? She's standing there naked before the Lord. She knew she was guilty. But she was being condemned by the Pharisees who obviously knew that they had sin in their lives because they all left. (laughs) And Jesus was willing to to not condemn her, but there was a stipulation, go and sin no more. Amen. So she accepted that pardon for her sin. It was demonstrated in the Sunday school class. The advocate, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a pardon. We've, we've said it here before. We have a full signed by God pardon. the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried and he raised again the third day according to scripture. And that repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ will obtain salvation. And here's the pardon. It's there. It's available. It's offered you. You're in the prison of sin. (laughs) There's the key to get out and be free. And not only free from the prison of sin, but free from all condemnation. Look, your whole record would be wiped totally clean. And the still small voice says, that's right. Go get the pardon. The pardon is the blood of Jesus. Let him wash away your sin. It's not the noise. Put the noise away of the world. Put the noise away of, you know, don't listen. I mean, in my, my uh, delivery, people get distracted from the delivery of the preacher. listen to the voice and come to him like Elijah did with shamefacedness of your sin. Accept the pardon. And that's the message today. As we have a song of invitation, listen to the voice. Saying to God, help us, Lord, to all, and I'm including me, to be very careful and our condemnation of sinners. It's natural. The flesh looks down upon people that's not in your station and people that's not in your whatever that may be dirty and stinky and da 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 But we need to remind ourselves that God loved them enough to send His Son and His Son loved them enough to shed His blood. That washed our sins away. And to be free with a, a gospel witness Toward the sinner. And sinner, if you've never come to Christ, you've never been pardoned from your sin, washed from your sin, let today be the day. Listen to the small voice and respond to him while we sing this song.